You are listening to Trophy Horse with your hosts, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. And welcome to Trophy Horses, episode 404. No, it's not an error message. I am here late on a Sunday night talking to my good friend, I yield to no one. You know, I can't find it fast enough. Are you but looking anyway, for memes? Are you searching the internet for memes right now? No. Well, you know, I, I, I wish I could to describe how badly Cincinnati played today. After they gave you so much hope after last weekend. They did. They gave everybody so much hope and then just laid this gigantic egg that it was it was heartbreaking. It's 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 the same old bungles. Anyway. I was gonna say, aren't you all used aren't you all used to that by now? We are, but we're hoping that we've turned the corner with a new coach. Hope springs eternal. That should be it, the motto of the Cincinnati Bengals. It it should, but it didn't happen. And uh, I'm ready to record tonight. Ready to talk away your sorrows and uh, video game away your disappointment. There you go. You know what? You can always make the Cincinnati Bengals good in a Madden game. Yes, you can, and I've done it before. So we are here, as always, to talk trophies and video games. Before we get into the video game section of it, we're going to tell you our updated trophy counts. Tricky Mick is level 48 with a total trophy count of 11,352 and 184 Platinums. Still racing against Daryl, trying to uh, out-e-dick each other for the, uh, who has the the biggest Platinum count. Yielder, you, uh, who are you rooting for in this? Uh... Well, they're both chumping themselves pretty hard, so I really don't know if I'm pulling for one or the other. To be fair, they're both pretty open about it, and they're both pretty proud of it, regardless. That's true, so I guess hurrah for the both of them. I'm going to say Daryl, because Daryl did a last-minute edit of last week's show, just like he did an edit of the previous week's show, the fireside chat that he did with Tricky, so I'm going to go root for Daryl. There you go. And, and let's go, you know, let's go ahead and uh, tell the listeners, let's give a twerp you to Tricky very early on. A big twerp you. He agreed to do the edit. He did. And then he handed it off to Daryl last minute. He did. Well, we appreciate you, Daryl. So yes, early thank shout you, out Darryl. to Daryl. Thank you for editing last week's show and the week before that as well. You have to start putting his trophy count here so uh, we can compare it to Tricky's. I am level 31, total trophy count of 6,917, and a platinum count of 102 in 101 games. Steve is level 1, level, I almost gave him 100 more. Level 16, total trophy count of 2,201, and a platinum count of 11. Still still living off that, uh, the Telltale's Batman platinum. It's a, it's a good game, so you know what? I say keep on playing that Switch, Steve, and stay far away from the trophies. Sid is level 39 with a total trophy count of 9,173 and a platinum count of 168. And I will say, 
Sid made a comment on the Trophy Horse Facebook group this week about how he's enjoying gaming so much more. He's like, you know, playing longer games now instead of trying to beat games for trophies and, you know, I guess play smaller games or at least race to the bottom to, you know, try to do a show every week. So while we are sad that we don't have Sid on our show every week, it is glad to hear that he's enjoying games more. That he's actually getting to pick what he plays, not based on trophies. Always a good thing. That's the real 404 here. The real error is playing, picking your games based on the trophies. You don't, you don't do that. No one grew up playing like that. No. I guess, well, uh, maybe kids these days. Tricky, dude. It makes me sound like such an old man, kids these days. But maybe that's... Oh, oh you, want, you want to hear something about kids these days. Okay, so I was going to post this on social media, but I'll say it here. I still may post it later. So my wife was watching a video, all right? And YouTube video, and I happened to walk in. And the lady refers to back in the day. Back in the day, we did this. I was like, okay, back in the day, you did this. She was talking something about organizing or something. And then she, uh, it, uh, better specified that her back in the day was 2000 to 2010. That's not really back in the day. I think I, back in the day is in like when my parents were kids or when my grandparents were churning butter instead I, of buying I, it from yeah. Whole Foods. I, I, I looked at my wife and I'm like, that's not back in the day. I don't believe – she's she's not using the word the way she believes she is. Back in the day at the earliest would be like 2000 to 90, 90 to 80 we could consider that back in the day, but so are really, you saying when uh, Nirvana run ran the the grunge scene? Is that back in the day? It, you know what? I would accept that. I bought a Weird Al Yankovic CD, Bad Hair Day, in fifth grade. That's back in the day. That's back in the day. Not eight years ago. Is back in the day. I'm sorry. If Shadow of the Colossus had been out for five years, it's not back in the day. It's not back. In, that's just the other year. Well, I guess time is relative, and uh, some people have a different view of time than either you or I. De- okay. de- definitions are different, because, I mean, people talk about, like, um, oh, like some of the bands you hear that are classical these, like, they call them classics these days, classic rock, like Blink-182, or like Green Day, which, I mean, Green Day was, you know, like I said, that was that was a band that was po- like popular even back when I was in fifth grade when I was in elementary school, so, but um, My Chemical Ram- Romance, people talk about those as like classic rock, it's like, no. Eh, Song eyes like that's bands I listened to in high school. Like they were yeah. around when I was in high school. How's that classic rock? That's not classic rock. Anyway, anyway, before we AARP ourselves too much here, you don't even think you got to your trophy count. You didn't even okay. say where you're standing this week. I'm a level 28 with trophy count of 5878 and a platinum count of 91. Sir, are you any closer to that Red Dead Redemption 2 platinum? Ah, uh, no. But I am going to pop it back in and at least play some online. Sony sent out an email and I got a message on my PlayStation about uh, PlayStation Plus bonus was if you play online before the 7th of October, you got like an extra $250 in your online, you know, your Red Dead online money. And I'm like, all right, for $250, bucks, i will I'll go, I'll, I'll I got to play online anyway. If I want to try to get the platinum, I got to get the level 50 and I think I'm like, oh, I don't know, 10 to 15 in that range. And I know story mode, 
I'm at chapter five, so I'm close to the end of this of that. That's back in the day. Red Dead Redemption Two is that back is in the definitely day. back in the day. The Wild West, tossing out greenbacks in the saloon. Back in the day, slugging whiskey like it was your day job. That's that's back in the day. That's the theme of this show. Because someone was an idiot and didn't know what back didn't, in the day meant. Didn't know how to use back in the day properly. Back in the day when I bought gummy bears at a grocery store last week. Had to walk there with no shoes six miles from home. <laughs> six miles. In the dead of summer. Yeah. Well, Yield, before you get back into Red, 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 Red Dead Redemption 2... Go online, get whatever trophies you need to go towards that platinum. You've obviously been playing something else in that stead. I have. Probably some World of Warships. I have. All right. Well, how about you tell us about that as well as anything else you've been been jockeying this week? So I played some World of Warships Legends. Uh, I, I had a game the other night that was actually kind of a funny game. Uh, I was a destroyer, and they were capturing our base. So I went over because it was just capture the base. So I'm going over. I'm trying to protect our base. And I had, I think I had one kill at this time. And we're outnumbered. And it's, it's, it's not looking good for the home team. So I, I roll up near the edge of the base. I stay out of range so they can't visibly detect me. And I've got good enough torpedo range that I can keep them in torpedo range but out of detection range. So I shoot some torpedoes. I sink the first ship in the base. All right, this is looking good. Two battleships come strolling over to the base, and I shoot, you know, my torpedoes reload. I shoot another barrage. Sunk that battleship. Awesome. Torpedoes. Your composure is at maximum level yield because I would have pooped myself if two battleships were coming for me. Well, see, luckily they didn't know where I was at. So I now honestly, I'm just sitting there. I'm like right beside an island. Hold on, what, what kind of uh, stealth ass bullshit are you driving here? Like what, like what kind okay. of ghost Gengar monster ship are you driving so, that people can't see you? So destroyers have the least visibility range. You know, let's say they've got a five kilometer bubble of of guaranteed visibility range. All right. So as long as you don't fire your guns, they can't see you until they get within that five-kilometer bubble. Battleships being the biggest one, let's say they got a 15-kilometer bubble around them. Needless to say, once you're inside that bubble, you can see them. So the second battleship comes rolling in. I've, I've got my torpedoes reloaded. I shoot another barrage. I have sunk him. Now we're sitting even, you know, player-wise, and then we ended up pulling out the win. So that was it was kind of cool because I'm just kind of just sitting there just shooting torpedoes as they reload. So, so you're was, so are you playing on a team with other people? Is this multiplayer? Yes, it's multiplayer only. There, there, there's no single-player aspects to it. I, I don't know how... In all the weeks that you've been talking about World of Warships, how I forgot that one key element that it is like Warhawk, and that uh, it's all multiplayer. It's, it's all multiplayer. Sometimes you get on a really good team. Most of the time you get on a really bad team because everybody 
I don't know. Maybe I don't know how to play the game entirely either, but a lot of people just don't know, feel like they don't know how to play the game or everybody's, everybody's playing for kills. And although killing is important, if you complete the objective, it doesn't matter who you wipe out. If you complete the objective, you still lose. So, played some of so that. So it's like if you, if the other team is, if, if you're going to complete the objective and the other team kills you off your entire fleet, then you lose, obviously. Well, yeah. If the entire if the entire fleet is sunk, then it's an automatic win for the other team or your team. And I've seen teams. I've lost games because we've had we've we've had the game won. We're ahead in points. There's one or two ships on the other team left. You know what? There's two minutes left. I am a firm believer of if you've got the win, don't get cocky. You know? Just kind of just everybody just kind of sit together. There's no sense. And I've seen people go rushing in. I'm going to kill this ship. And either we all got wiped out or, you know, most everybody gets wiped out. So, and more, and what you're telling ship, me is people are Leroy Jenkins in it, where they're yes. just running in like assholes and getting everybody else killed because everyone follows after that person. Yes. And then, see, with warships, when you lose a ship, you lose points and they gain points. Plus, as you have your base or you get zones, then, you know, you get points randomly because of that. So, you could have a nice lead built up, but then if you all go and get sunk... It gets ate into because you lose points because you lost ships. So makes sense to me. The uh, I guess at the base level, it's all math, right? It is. So. I thought for a minute there you were going to tell me that uh, someone suggested splitting up like they do in horror movies, where it's like, hey, we could cover more ground if you know we uh, split up, and everyone, of course, you know the whole Scooby Doo thing where. Scooby and Shaggy go this way, and everybody else goes the other way. Yeah, it's like, see, no, no, don't do that. We're all going to get killed. You, you've got nine guys on a team, or nine people on a team. I shouldn't say guys, because girls play the game, too. You've got nine team members. I don't have a problem if you split up and go, like, 5-4. You know, we're going to go this part of the map. You guys go that part of the map. I'm not against that, because you're still in numbers. What I always find funny is when everybody goes off kind of on their own. You know, a couple guys go here, a few guys go there, a couple other guys go over here, and no one's working together. Basically, so, like a treasure map. Everyone's hunting the treasure, the same treasure. Where's the X? We're going to go split up. Yeah. And then the other team comes rolling along, and they've got like five or six of their ships all working together in one big group, and you just get slaughtered. But anyway... So I've been playing that, playing some more Wreckfest, moving along in the pro campaign. Uh, what else did I fire up this week? Oh, played some uh, Jackbox with my niece, and then she brought over a game called Subnautica. I believe which, I've heard of that. Which I've I've seen her play it at her house. I've been kind of like, it, it looks kind of like a cool game. Although, even though I, I probably wouldn't mind 
I played it for a little bit. She brought it over. We loaded it in. I was sitting there playing it. Playing it. My initial reaction is, God, it's a beautiful game. You know, just the colors and everything. It's just, wow, this is really nice. Well, if you're going to make but, a game that, that has, like, underwater levels, you better do it right because, as we know, like, under the sea, there's a lot of pretty things to look at. Like, visually, yeah. the, like, under the water is some of the most striking places you'll see on Earth. So, I, I, I start the game. So, ship, the ship crashes. I eject that, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm getting in a jet pod. I eject out. The, the ship us, crashes? The ship, ship happens? Yeah, ship happens. Alien planet looks like nothing but water. I mean, I, all you can see for all you look is water for miles. There's the ship in front of you. And I'm like, so I get out of the escape pod. First, they're like, put out the fire. So there's no fire on the escape pod. Okay. Pick up the extinguisher. I put out the fire. They're like, okay, cool. So here's, you know, here's your storage locker. Okay. Okay. Here's your, your, uh, where the med kit will spawn, you know, med kits will spawn there every so often. Okay, cool. All right. There you go. And it's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Where, what are you my You win, missions? yield. That's what you do. Yeah, I guess. So I started swimming towards the ship. Nope, there's radiation coming out of the ship. It's killing me. Okay, can't go to the ship. So I'm like, so... Now what do I do? So even though it was like really visually beautiful, I'm just kind of was kind of lost. I'm used to a structured quest game, and this was just kind of a okay, survive. <laughs> I'm just like, what the heck do I do? I'm lost. Yeah, I mean, developers have gotten a lot better about hiding clues about where to go within the environment so it's not like there's an arrow on the screen or like some text prompt telling you where to go like sometimes they'll paint kind of like they'll use colors and like paint a path but not quite so obvious like they'll make ledges like that you can climb or a path you can go to visible like through like through the actual texture or like through like using a different color than they would normally or a lighter shade or something like that so but, uh, I mean, just being dropped down in, you know, like, don't get frazzled. You'll just explore. You got a little submarine. You're, you know, just enjoy yourself. You're on an alien planet. How many people get that opportunity? Well, that, that's true. I, I, I was, I wasn't trying to let it overly frazzle me. Cause I'm just like, well, okay. I gotta, cause you got, you got food and water and it slowly depletes and you got to drink water or whatever. And I'm like, well, I don't have the stuff to, to, like you got a, a, a fabricator. Well, you got to put stuff in it before it'll fabricate water. And I'm like, well, how do I make water? <laughs> I believe so, it's two H's and an O, sir. Yeah. I mean, I went to chemistry but, class, so I think that's two hydrogens and one oxygen. But I, it's, I, need, I need to play some more of it. It's definitely not in the wheelhouse of Yield's games. Look, Yield, it's like making Sprite. Lemon and lime. That's all you need. But he was willing to give it a try. And he's still willing to give it a try. Try new things. But it was like, man, talk about getting thrown into the deep end without a life vest. It seems <laughs> like they, uh, th- at least they win you over with their visuals, which is the easiest way to hook somebody. They did. Just make the game visually striking. They did win me over with the visuals, but wow. I was expecting a, you know, well, you need to collect this stuff. Okay. I can go do that. No, it was just, you put out the fire, here's your kind of 
your initial home, I guess, your floating life escape pod. The main ship crashed over there. Okay. Survive. <laughs> Easy. Easy it was like, okay, I got this. No, I don't. You know, you you may have been exploring the 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 world of the underwater. I have as well, although mine is a little bit less lighthearted than yours. I mean, I guess mine's still lighthearted because I'm attaching jetpacks and lasers to sharks, which of course you've got Dr. sharks. Evil is smiling. I was gonna yeah. say you've got sharks with lasers on their head. Doctor Evil is a very happy man. He's petting his weird hairless cat as we speak. But yeah, so I've been playing more Hungry Shark World. Unlocking more sharks. I finally got the Great White this week. I got the um, Megalodon. So I'm starting to get some of the bigger sharks and just kind of tearing ass around these, uh, around the Arabian Sea and around the the Ar- Ar- Arctic Sea. So, uh, yeah, I'm still having a ton of fun with that game. Like, the, the big hook of that game, obviously, is, like, you know, going into, like, a different area of the world and, and like, the score multipliers. Basically getting a, as big of a score as you can, surviving as long as you can, and just unlocking all the sharks i will say that as much as i have fun as i have with this game as soon as i unlock all the sharks and get all the trophies i'm probably never going to play it again yes there is replay value in playing as all the sharks and you know getting the higher scores like kind of like an arcade style game but you know like it is somewhat of a grind to get through all the objectives and to get the money to buy all the items and all the pets and to get all the experience to open up each of the four areas of the world you can swim in and to get all the sharks so as much as I enjoy it, you know, there is, I will say, an aspect of a grind to it, so... But, I mean, they do reward you with big, awesome new sharks, prehistoric, monstrous sharks, so... You know, who can argue against that? You can't. And, to be fair, it's a lot easier to understand than Subnautica, because if you're a sh- plans a shark, just eat everything. Just eat I mean, it, see? Just eat you, everything! If you can fit it in your mouth, just chomp away at it. But, uh, other than Hungry Shock World, I've been playing more Crash Team Racing... Continuing on with the grand, the newest Grand Prix and that, Spyro and Friends, I finally have reached the top of the gold tier, so I've unlocked all within, mm, excuse me, with about half the time left in the Grand Prix, I've unlocked, I've got over 42,000 Nitro points, I filled up the gauge completely, so I've got only a lockable, so anything I get here is just trying to stay within the top 5% to get the decal exclusive to the Spyro, uh, Spyro and Friends Grand Prix, as well as, you know, just getting coins to buy stuff from the, the pit stop. So I think next month they're they're releasing a Grand Prix every month. And, and obviously we'll get one Halloween themed for next month for October, which I'm really looking forward to. Nina Cortex, Komodo Mo, Dr. Embryo are all supposed to be part of that, which I love that because I love the Komodo Brothers. And I know Komodo Mo was supposed to be far, part of the first Crash Team Racing game, but they just couldn't fit him in there. So... Finally, he gets his debut in Crash Team Racing. I'm really excited about that. But yeah, it's one of the... I have not played a game this much. I played God of War a ton, but since God of War, I've not played a game as much as I have played um, Crash Team Racing because they keep putting out that free content every month, the Grand Prix, and you like, you have to play daily. So while it can get kind of tedious to finish all the objectives every day, it's still like they're still keeping me hooked because they're adding new characters, new skins, and there's still a ton of stuff to do in the game. So while I may not be the happiest with Activision and Beanox for all the crap that has come along with, you know, releasing the microtransactions after they said they wouldn't, uh, the game is still incredibly fun. And it's like I, I will stand on this soapbox and I will yell through a microphone or a megaphone and I will like for the rest of my life 
Crash Team Racing is a better racing game than any Mario Kart you can throw at it. I know people have certain ardor for Mario Kart 64. Like, there's a love for Mario Kart, especially that game in particular. But, I'm sorry. Crash Team Racing is just a better game than any Mario Kart you can throw out there. So, Those are some fighting words. Has Homer played any more of it? Because I know that he got it pretty early I, on. You, you know, I haven't talked to him about it. I don't know. I've, I've seen him playing Final Fantasy VIII Remake. Oh, well, he's definitely not playing anything else but that then, because you get, you get caught up in a Final Fantasy game, and that's that's your world for at least a month or two. And and I the only thing I talked to him about recently was I picked up I picked up my copy of Borderlands 3 on Friday. And oh, of yeah, course that, I, we actually speculated whether that came out on the 23rd or the 13th on yes. the last episode, and, well, the answer is the 13th. The 13th. So go, so I, stop I, waiting to go buy Borderlands 3. Go ahead and yeah, buy it. Yeah, go, go, go buy it if you don't know, so, which, which my buddy didn't know. So I, I go, I pick up my game on Friday, and my wife and I went out to eat. And then so I was like, I sent out all, all my, the group of guys I all run around with, we all were talking about getting it. So I sent out a mass text. I'm like, hey, so what night of the week are we going to kind of dedicate to Borderlands night? You know, we should all get together and, and you know, hey, this night of the week, we're going to play Borderlands together. And my buddy's like, my one buddy goes, well, when does it come out? So I'm like, tonight? So needless to say, he didn't know. But so that that was the only conversation I've had with my brother in the last couple of weeks was kind of like, hey, when are we doing Borderlands? He took, uh, I guess he took that loss in fantasy football week particularly hard, huh? No, not overly hard, but he he did send me uh, a a congratulatory... uh, a text and was like, well, I guess I should say congratulations. Wait. Oh, he said that. I thought for a second that you were congratulating on him when he lost last week. No, no, I didn't do that. I I talked enough smack on Sunday when it was apparent that my team was going to blow his out of the water. You seem like a very like level headed, very like good sportsman, like a person who appreciates good sportsman, like conduct. But then again, also, like, you and your brother have this lifelong death match against each other. Maybe not death match. That's a little too severe. But just kind of this, this rivalry, this sibling, sibling rivalry. And I'm sure that every once in a while, it gets a little heated between you two. Oh, it does. We've had Mario Kart matches where we've hit the right button. The big red button? The big red button, yeah. Uh, you know what? I will say, we went to this place called Rec Bar here yesterday. And Rec Bar is, it's like an ar- a barcade. It's a uh, bar slash restaurant slash arcade. And oh. they got tons of old pinball games there. They got tons of old arcade games. And one of the games they have there, besides the multiplayer Battle Royale Pac-Man, which is amazing, but they uh, also have the Mario Kart GP arcade game. And I will say, uh, it's hard as fuck to steer that. Like, really? It's so damn sensitive. Really? That sensitive, huh? Now, now, obviously, if you're jerking the wheel from one side to the other, like like a car, you're going to go all over the place. But it was so hard. Eventually, I got a feel for it. But it was so hard because the steering was so sensitive with actual wheel to get a hang of the controls. It took me, like, at least, like, one after one race, I was okay. But, like, still, like, even with, the, like, the biggest problem was with Donkey Kong, like, one of the bigger characters that has the top speed but not great handling. Like, it was... It was kind of difficult, so it made me more appreciate like the console racers because they're far, far easier and more fun to play. Gotcha. 
I've never played a Mario Kart arcade. That sounds like fun. I mean, I mean, we all played cru- back in the day. We all played Cruising World, right? Yeah, like, or I, I, I played a uh, Daytona USA. I think. I, I think, think yeah, because I feel like whenever you walked into an arcade when you were younger, it had either, if not both, either one or either one of the other of those games. Wasn't an arcade if it didn't have one of those games. I got, I got in. Tr- <laughs> so back in high school, we were playing that at uh, at our local festival. They had they had an arcade tent, and they had four Daytona USA's all you know all hooked up together. So the four so there was four five of us running around. So it was odd man out. So we all sit there and we put our money in and we're sitting there and we're racing. And I mean I'm just smoking people, and I I I did something stupid and I wrecked. So I'm I'm I got to make a comeback. So I'm making a comeback. And I'm coming up on some team, or coming up against, you know, my friends. And we're, we're, we're side by side. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle lane. My buddy's in the low lane. And I can kind of see him. He's eyeballing my screen, watching my nose, seeing where I'm at, you know. And I look over at him, and I can see him start to jerk his wheel to the left. You know, he's going to go left and then do the hard right slam into me. So, and it, it all ended up being dumb luck. So anyway, so he swerves left, he swerves back right. I lock my brakes up. And all I see on my screen is his car flash in front of my nose. Oh, unbeknownst to both of us, our third friend was coming flying up on the outside to pass us both, and he crossed right in front of him. Boom! They wiped each other out. I hit the gas. I go on to an easy win. I got accused of screen watching. I mean, I think everyone looks over at the... Even just to see the position of the other racer, because like in like the Mario Kart game, you can't... You don't know how far behind characters are, so if someone's playing right next to you, like, why wouldn't you look just to see where their position was on, on the track? Because, I mean, you can't stare at their screen for too long, because then you're going to wreck yourself. But it I also don't care. Sounds it like, was. Go ahead. It sounds like you all were playing Fast and the Furious with all these Michael Bay explosions going on in your. Oh, it it uh, was. It was. It was. It was awesome. They were giving me crap for the rest of the day, but that's all right. I Wait, I, you, I won. I won. You won. I won. How were they giving at, you crap? You won at, at the end because they said I was screen watching, and I'm like, but you were doing the same thing to see where I was at before you wrecked the other guy. As but long anyway. as you're not punching somebody while they're trying to drive, like. Anything kind of goes like as long as you're staying in your own personal bubble. Yeah. How somebody can make funny for that? Yeah, I, whatever. It, it's so, a, it's all good. Sore losers. Exactly. That's what they are. That's what they were. So yield. I hope you have a lot of time to play video games because if you're going to play Ubisoft games, you're not really going to get any uh, shorter experiences. This coming from an article by Matt Perslow which is based on uh, Matt Perslow, a writer for IGN, coming based on a game, gamesindustry.biz interview with Yves Gilmont, who is the head of Ubisoft, the company's CEO. So basically the conversation um, talked about the length of Ubisoft's games and their plan going forward. And, you know, example of Assassin's Creed Unity was brought, was brought up, which in the article talks about being around 15 hours, compared to Odyssey, which is... 60 hours 
And uh, Gimel talked about how Ubisoft's games going forward were going to be more like the 60-hour Assassin's Creed experiences with the 15-hour storylines and kind of like a, a single quest probably won't last you 15 hours, but like shorter chunks within a larger game. So you would essentially have an Assassin's Creed Unity within an Odyssey, you know, going off time-wise. Him basically talking about, well, they're not going to do shorter games. They're going to do shorter games, like little tidbits within larger games. Of course, they're all being one connected game. So Gamal in the interview said, our goal is to make sure you can have a unity within an odyssey. If you want to have a story of 15 hours, you can have it, but you can also have other stories. You live in that world, and you pursue what you want to pursue. You have experienced many unity-like experiences. So basically, unity is one bit or one piece of this giant puzzle that would be like an odyssey-length game. The only problem with that is that, to me, it's saying, hey, you can have this short experience within this larger game, but you still, if you want to finish the game, have to play the entire game. It's not like you can say, like, complete you know, play 15 hours of it and say, oh, well, I beat the game. You know, you can obviously stop playing. But the idea that you would put, you know, 15-hour chunks in and you could, you know, feel satisfied from just playing that 15 hours when there's a 60-hour game lingering there, I don't really understand that argument. See, neither do I. I was going to start off originally when I read it uh, going, you know what, I'm okay with it. But the more I thought about it, I'm not okay with it. I I understand from his point of view, or I I guess I understand from from their point of view what they're doing, and from that business as, aspect, you know, more power to you. But I I don't necessarily agree with them. Just like no, we're not going to do short games anymore. There is still a place in the gaming world for short games, and sometimes. Open-world games can become overly daunting, especially when you start to become like me. I like open-world games, but when you've got like a big backlog of open-world games, and it's like, okay, so I, what am I going to play next? Oh, I got another big open-world game to play. Well, yeah, because who has the time to play all those huge games? Who has the time to sit down like, every month or every two months to say and play a 60-hour game. Like, I don't have time to play, like, a game the size of Assassin's Creed Odyssey scares me these days because I want to have more experiences. I want to play more games. I don't want to sit here and dedicate, like, you know, 60 hours or more if I just rush through the game to one game. Now, Gamal did talk about how, you know, getting to play a game for 60 hours, you know, paying 60 bucks because, you know, games are all, like... For the most part, at the you know unless it's a collector's edition, the top cost you'll pay for a game is sixty bucks on release, and whether you get a seven-hour game or a sixty-hour game, it's still the same amount of, amount of money. So Gamal does point out that there is a value in that, and that people got the va- great value for their money because they got Absolutely. a long experience that they could play for a long time, and they paid the same as other people who were playing a game for seven hours and beat it and then moving on. I I don't disagree with that with that analogy at all. And uh, one of the other things he talked about was that, uh, you know, focus, and uh, I'm quoting this from the article, the company's change in focus to long-term support also helps extend that life with planned DLC schedules that span multiple episodes, as well as microtransaction boosters and virtual currency. This really, by them creating larger games, they're essentially, it's another fight, a strike against the used market, 
where they're trying to keep people into hanging on to games longer. Like I said, I've been playing Crash Team Racing a lot, and these Grand Prix, yes, they're free content, but the thing that they're doing is they're keeping Crash Team Racing relevant for longer, and they're keeping people from, you know, if they bought the physical copy, from trading it back in and, you know, playing it for maybe a month or so, a couple weeks, and then getting rid of it. They're keeping people on the game, and I see Ubisoft strategy is trying to do that, is trying to keep people holding on to their games longer and playing their games longer instead of, you know, just taking it back to GameStop a week later. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't, you can't blame them. If they're going to keep giving out content, some free, some paid, you know. And especially with a 60-hour game, you might not get through it before some of the DLC starts coming out. So, I mean, it's it's a good business roadmap. Well, one of the things I would question, like, Assassin's Creed, yes, it is a game series that lends itself to longer experiences. Uh, Odyssey, with, you know, a huge open world and many quests and storylines to experience throughout that game. Makes sense. But Ubisoft also owns games like with the Rabbids and Rayman, a very popular long-running platformer. Those games aren't going to be 60 hours. No. So when he says they're not going to have, like, you know, when he talks about not focusing so much on 15-hour experiences, what do you what does that mean for smaller downloadable games, for smaller developers, and, you know, games like Rayman? Because you can't just have, like, you can't subsist off of Tomb Raider no, and Assassin's Ra- Creed. Ra- Rayman is... You've got to have those shorter, more bite-sized experience so the people aren't just playing in the world of Ubisoft. People can play a Ubisoft game, they can play a Microsoft game, they can play a Sony game, they can play an EA game. Fuck Activision. Um, like how I slipped that in there, Yield. Yeah, like I said, that was nice. But they can, um, I just, I like, yes, there are people that play World of Warcraft and longer games like that, and they, they live in the world of one game. But I just don't think that Ubisoft can get away with putting out 60-hour games every time. Because the development cycle, the resources it takes to make a game like Assassin's Creed, it's a lot. And you've got to have those those shorter games that you can develop the cycle shorter than, say, an Assassin's Creed. Because then you're pouring in more resources and it's more expensive to make a game. But yet you're only making, you know, you're only getting 60 bucks in return and not even that because you've got to take cuts from other places. So, you know, they're they're paying, customers are paying $60 for a game. But and not... You're not getting that from that soul game. That's not your okay. I'm getting way too off the board with this. Yield. Well, I was gonna say, and, and not just that, but we're not too far removed from everybody complaining about how quickly they were shoving out Assassin's Creed games. So they took what a year hiatus, and and then they've well, yeah, come they, out. Their old strategy was release one every year, and then release one every year. At one point, they had a couple games out a year, and they're like, whoa. We might want to slow down on this. And people were starting to complain that there it was there weren't the big advances, I guess you would say, in the game from one to the other because they were just you had two studios working on a game almost at the same time. You know, here's our version, here's our version. So they took they took a year off. They've kind of revamped how they're doing the Assassin's Creed games in the last couple have been, have done really well. I don't think that you should model necessarily the whole company after 
after that idea because like you like we were like you were saying a rain man game is only going to be 8 to 15 hours so now you've basically have kind of yanked that game out because I don't see anybody playing a platformer for 60 hours yeah and you know, maybe we're taking this too much to the extreme. Gomal did say that Ubisoft's focus would be on huge open world games. I guess they're not going to completely rule out the smaller games entirely. But the idea that someone's going to put out, you know, these huge games, primarily just these massive games, you kind of turn me off right away because I don't have the amount of time that I used to to invest in playing video games. And, you know, I anybody who does and who wants to play these games like Ubisoft is a quality, you know, they make very like they publish and develop quality games. You know, there's not a ton of people out there complaining about Ubisoft at the moment because. Oh, no, no. And, and, and and don't make it sound like that. We're complaining. Well, I guess we are complaining. We're not complaining, but we're also sharing concern by the fact that, I mean, yes, you know what, if you don't have time to play a game, just don't play that game, but recognize, respect people's time and respect the fact that, People don't have necessarily all the time in the world to play your games, but, you know, maybe they do. I mean, maybe they want to... Oh, I'm, 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 I feel like I'm going around in circles here. Like, people, like, respect people's time because people don't necessarily have the time every month to sit down with one of your biggest games. That doesn't mean, though, that they don't want to give you their money and that they don't want to experience what you're putting out. And I don't think the, 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 the idea that you can play a Unity within an Odyssey is... is is a uh, viable argument because I, I don't accept that argument because you still have a 60 hour game that you haven't completed yet. It's yeah, like, uh, okay, uh, well you completed one storyline of this massive game. You know, you can always quit, but who wants to do that? Who wants to buy a game? I, well, there are a lot of people out there who want to buy a game and apparently not finish it or are willing to, but I just don't like the idea that we're going to put out these huge games. And if you want to experience part of it, you can, but th- to get the full experience, you're going to have to spend, you know, three months playing through this thing. Yeah. I, I've never been opposed to longer games. My, my wheelhouse is probably 10 to 40 hours. I, I would say I, I, I've played longer games. If you got a good story and you've really got me intrigued with what's going on. Awesome. I will, I will log in the long hours. I, I did it with, uh, horizon zero dawn and loved every minute of it and never once felt that I was, you know, grinding. To be fair, Assassin, or Horizon Zero Dawn came out in the springtime, I believe, when it was released in 2017, and the Assassin's Creed, ga- Assassin's Creed games tend to come out later in the year, in the fall, closer to holiday, and if you make, if you're, like, with the number of games that come out during that period, if you're releasing a video game that big within that period... With how many games there are to play, even if someone picks it up, you run the chance of someone starting your game and then starting another game, and then potentially you run the risk of someone f- completing your game part way through, but then not getting back not, to it. Yeah, not getting back to it, it getting lost in the shuffle. Maybe, I mean, if you're a developer and you say, hey, they bought our game anyway, and if they don't return it, we've won, regardless of whether or not they finish it. But I think that, you know, video game developers and Ubisoft they look at the statistics on how many people have finished their games, and even if they've got their money, they probably want them to play all the way through the games because they put a ton of effort into making those games. 
I would agree. So, I mean, while it seems like they're not going to completely rule out smaller games, Ubisoft does seem to be focusing more on the larger experiences. And, you know, if you have the time to play that, great. But it's just kind of one of those things that turns me away from Ubisoft and, you know, the Assassin's Creed games. I would love to play Origins and run through Ancient Egypt as an assassin. But at the same time, I also want to play other games and I don't really want to dedicate my entire life to playing that game for a few months just to get through it. And we know you. You are a completionist. Yes, I am a completionist. You know, even as I've been playing Crash Team Racing, I have been playing other games. I've been playing Super Super Smash Brothers. I've been playing some Hungry Shark World. So I have been mixing games in because you know, like with the Grand Prix, like I play, I can play a little bit every day. Or you know, once I get to the the top of the gold tier, it um, I can I can just uh, kind of let off the pedal a little bit, ease out, and you know, just take things, just kind of do enough to stay in the top five percent to make sure I get the exclusive decal at the end. With Assassin's Creed or any open-world game, like, you throw me in there, and I'm, like, I'm in that world, and I have to play through it, and I, I, there's side missions here, there's main missions here, and, like, I just kind of get lost in that world, and it's kind of the only game I I can play. God of War was kind of that way. So, a game like Assassin's Creed, and it seems, you know, like, something like Watch Dogs or something like that, I'm going to get completely lost in that game, whereas something like Crash Team Racing, I can play little bit by little bit every day or some every yeah day. you can you can you can have multiple games going at one time with a crash team racing it is harder when you've got an open world game to juggle another game unless it's a small game at least I have had issues juggling multiple big games at one time all right well you'll I know we got another topic here but we're running a little long and I'm gonna call it for this week. We're going to get out of here, but first, we are going to clean this shit up and do some housekeeping. Whoop, whoop! Proven Gamer is looking for some help. If you are a talented writer, podcaster, video editor, or news reporter, go to ProvenGamer.com and click the Help Wanted tab on the top of the page. Follow all the prompts that Tricky is going to have you follow and submit everything, and as soon as he can, he will get back to you. Um, We also, you know... One area that we were trying to expand in is Twitch. We have a channel, twitch.tv backslash Proven Gamer. Go, uh, go there to see what we're playing today, this weekend, whenever. And uh, yeah, but if you are if you like to stream, if you're a writer, go to ProvenGamer.com and you know apply to join the team. If you want to get in touch with us, you can get... Um, we have Twitter accounts, at Proven Gamer. I'm at Saunasaurus Rex. Yield's at IELTS No One. Tricky's at Tricky Mick. Steve's at BadChild27. And Sid is at Sidney. You can also contact us via email at trophyhorse at provengamer.com and our phone number, yield. 330-PROVEN-9. 330-776-8369. And if you like what we do here on Trophy Horse, listen to the other podcast on the P- the Proven Gamer podcast network, which include PG Spoilers, according to Daryl, Resident Daryl, the flagship show of the PG network, as well as the Nintendo-focused podcast Nintendo, Nintendo Dual Screens with Steven and Andy, which focuses on not only Nintendo news, but interviews with a lot of developers, including a lot of indie developers. So go check out the Nintendo Dual Screens, as well as the Game Stuff podcast with Joe and Kalai, a more generalized podcast about video games, so they try to cover a lot more. But all quality shows, and you can find them here on the Proven Gamer Podcast Network on places like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, various podcast apps, Google Play, TuneIn, and you can find Nintendo Dual Screens and Trophy Horrors on iHeartRadio and Spotify. <gasps> oh god this is what i hate when i'm trying to rush through housekeeping i feel like i don't get to take a breath 
We have PlayStation 4 communities where you can also connect with us. I yield to no one. Don't know why I full named you there. But how about you share our PlayStation 4 communities with the listeners? So, I have a community called the Platinum Guild where you can come post your latest Platinum. The site has one called Proven Gamer. The show has one called T-Dev's Brothel. And it's because we can't use Trophy Horse. We've tried. It won't let us. Shoot hey. PlayStation. Bad words. Won't let us. Sorry. We tried. So. I forget what Tricky originally had it named. And I'm like, dude. Horse hang out in a brothel. It should be called that. So. Yeah, we're probably better off forgetting the jokes that Tricky tries to make. Yeah, I don't know what the T-Dubs is from, but I let him keep that. Uh, T-Dubs, like, W-Dub. Oh. Like, like three, like, B-Dubs, so T-Dubs, okay. Brothel. T-Dubs, okay. And that, now I get it, see? Wah, wah, wah. Did you, uh, was that all three of the communities deal? Platinum yes, Guild, that, Proven Gamer, yeah, Proven and Gamer T-Dubs Brothel. And T-Dubs Brothel, I got them. Checking them off the list. Yep, All right, covered. sponsors, we are proud to be partnered with the Humble Bundle. If you don't know what Humble Bundle is, you can go to HumbleBundle.com to check out uh, the website, all the deals they have. Essentially, it's a charity initiative where every month they bundle together games, books, digital media, and they sell at a discount price. You basically get to name your price. Now, each bundle is tiered, so the more money you pay, the more content that you're going to get. So say you decide to pay 5 bucks, you may only get 6 games out of 9 that are a bundle. But if you go up to, like, say, 20, you may get all nine. Again, it is for charity, so the more that you can give, the better, and you're still getting a great value because a lot of the bundles that are, are valued at over $200. Uh, you can also sign up for their electronic newsletter, and I will always post the link to our partnership page with Humble Bundle in the show description for every episode of Trophy Horrors on ProvingGamer.com. We know you like to shop on Amazon. It's easier than actually going to the store. They ship things to you. Hey, you've got... Uh, a, a world literally in front of you at your fingertips of things you can order. Why not? From chips to toilet paper to towels, go to Amazon.com. Before you go there, though, go to ProvingGamer.com. We have a link to Amazon.com on our front page. Click that. While it may seem like a very um, small thing to you, it is a big help to the show and Proven Gamer in general because it does help us pay with server fees um, and just to keep the, the site going. So uh, any help you can provide, it's a very, very small way you can help. I know you know it's one extra step, but it doesn't take long. So if you would go to ProvingGamer.com, if you would click on the link and just take you straight to Amazon, we would appreciate it very much. If you want to support us on Patreon, you can go to Patreon.com backslash ProvingGamer. There are different tiers that Tricky has set up, different awards you can get for supporting the show at different levels, like our Patreon producers, Felicia Steph and CJ Anderson. So go to Patreon dot com backslash proven gamer to check out all the tiers and you know see if you would like to support us at a certain tier and see what rewards are tied to each tier now even if you can't support us with money the best way you can support us is word of mouth tell your friends your family your coworkers about trophy horrors and just let them know as yield would say spread the gospel of trophy horrors well yield wouldn't use the word gospel but yield what would you uh what would you say about spreading trophy horrors around i don't know I feel like you've got a saying, but maybe we've just missed out on I, I, I always say, no, no, I should have a saying. Why don't I have a saying? I feel like you'll just out of instinct or out of muscle memory say it during your shout-outs, but we'll get there in a second. We'll get we, there. We November 2nd is the date for our last partner. 
which is Extra Life. If you don't know what Extra Life is, it is another charity initiative that is run to benefit the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. It, like I said, it's happening on November 2nd this year. You go to extra-life.org to sign up, get more information. You can join a team, you can create a team, or you can play solo. Proven Gamer has a team, so fee- please feel free to join our team and uh, help us kick some ass this November. Raise some money for charity. Now, once you have signed up, to be on a team or you know play solo you then pick a children's miracle network hospital to represent you tell friends family and co-workers about extra life it is essentially a video game marathon for you so you're going to play video games for a full day and you're going to collect sponsorships which will be donations 100 percent of the money that you collect will go to the children's miracle network hospital the children's miracle network hospital that you've opted to represent so tell everyone that their money is going to a good place and they get to sponsor you in your video game marathon, the motto for Extra Life is Play Games, Heal Kids, and it is the ultimate win-win situation in the history of the planet Earth. Well, that is going to bring us to the end of housekeeping, but we're going to close it out with some shout-outs. Yield, I think that you should take it because I'm running on empty here. I'm like a hot air balloon that's deflating. Okay, so a shout-out to all of you, the pimps and the madams of the Horgum. Thank you for downloading, listening making people listen, whatever you do, interacting with us with on the social medias. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, shout out to Alex for hosting tonight. A shout out to IGN and their writers from which I got our topic today. Uh, a shout out so, to... Uh, shout out to gamesindustry.biz from the uh, the original article. At the the original article. Uh, a shout out to the... Lady of the YouTube video my wife was watching that does not properly use back in the day because that's just funny. A shout out to Trophy Horse, the original members, Tricky, Donnie, Hard Rockin' Guy, because as of today, recording the 15th of September is the nine-year anniversary of when Trophy Horrors first started. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was not going to remember to, even though Tricky put it in the uh, the chat. Well, I was going to do it at the beginning of the show, and I couldn't find it in the chat to remember how long it was. So that, that was why I was stalling, and I couldn't find it. And then so we moved on, and then I found it. So plug it in at the end. A momentous episode of Trophy Horrors, no doubt. No doubt. Episode one. So, um, you know what? I'm going to call it good for this week on the shout-outs. We can move on to Alex. Well, as, first, as always, I want to give a shout-out, first and foremost, to the listeners, the fuel to the fire of this Trophy Horrors. Thank you all for your continued support of the show. Without you all, it, the show would not have reached the heights that it has and being and continue to grow. We wouldn't be on iHeartRadio. We wouldn't be on Spotify. So we definitely thank you all very much for your support and spreading the word of Trophy Whores. Also give a shout-out to Yield for recording with me tonight late on the Sunday, as well as a big shout-out to Daryl for e- e- editing the last two episodes of Trophy Whores. Last but not least, I want to give a shout-out to my loving girlfriend, Ashley. Another awesome weekend together. Um... Yeah, uh, thank you, honey, for always being so great and always supportive and just being silly with me and, you know, just doing all the fun shit together and experiencing life with me. Um, I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else. I love you, and uh, as always, you are my final shout-out. So with that, we are going to get out of here for this week. It's episode 404. And until next week, 
Happy trophy hunting. Peace, folks. See you next week. The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines.